my very great pleasure to welcome Graham Tunbridge, Hair Boss and Andreas Stange. Today we're focusing on the impact of the MDR amending regulation on manufacturer applications to notified bodies after talking a couple of weeks ago about the impact of the IVDR amending regulations on manufacturer applications to notified bodies. This time, I'd like to kick off by asking each of you to introduce yourselves very briefly and to tell me whether you are more concerned now about the rate of applications to notified bodies and the pace of these applications being processed under the IVDR or the MDR, but without explaining why for now or explaining in just five to ten words. Het, would you like to kick off? Yeah, sure. So um, uh, I was always happy to join the, the, the conversation, bringing some of the knowledge and experience from how Notify Bodies used to work to now see what we do in consultancy, what we see behind the scenes. And um, answering your question in that sense, I, I do believe that I'm more concerned now um, than I have ever been before, not only with manufacturers taking it easy because there's so much time both in the IVDR and the MDR, but also on the side of uh, notified bodies where on the one hand, we hear them uh, scramble and ask for more work. On the other hand, for existing running projects, there does not seem to be any uh, uptake in the speed at which the reviews and interactions with manufacturers are going. So I'd love to have further discussions on that in this beautiful panel. Great, thank you. Graham, what's your view? One, one word answer, if I can say that. IVDR leaves me more worried. Okay, great. Thank you. And Andreas? My voice are uh, on both IVR and uh, MDR. Right. Okay, good. On so the let's... fence. Boo, not allowed to be on the <laughs> fence. <laughs> okay, so we've already talked in some detail about the IVDR. So now we're going to focus on the MDR and see where your concerns are there. So uh, just as a reminder, the um, MDR amending regulation was only published on the 20th of March this year. But there's been talk of medical device companies already taking their feet off the pedal. So how soon after the medical device amending regulation did you notice that the applications from medical device companies were not coming through at the speed that you expected? Is the situation any more grave than that with the reaction to the IVDR amending regulation? And Graham, I was wondering if you'd like to kick off because last time with the IVDR amending regulation, you suggested that there had been a slowdown amongst IVDR manufacturers even before the publication of the IVDR amending regulation. Has it been the same with the MDR amending regulation? I think the important point to start with is that we're in a different position for manufacturers transitioning from the IVD to the IVDR, from MDD to MDR. IVDD, we're seeing mainly kind of new manufacturers that are having to come to a notified body for the first time. So that's the majority of, of uh, kind of applications that we were getting was, were effectively new products coming through. The MDD to MDR was largely about transition. And that's where the focus has been. It's been about manufacturers and particularly existing clients and notified bodies looking to transition from the directives to the regulation. So I it kind of an answer to the question. I don't think that it's it's had the same it's had the same impact, Amanda. I think I think for two reasons. One is that 
BSI, we'd already said to manufacturers, our, our existing clients, look, if you want to hit the May 2024 deadline, then you need to have submitted your, your technical documentation to us. And we said at the latest at, at the turn of the year 2023. So we'd already got that message out there. We'd already had manufacturers planning to, to, to hit the deadlines that, that we'd asked them to. Um, and so what we've seen amongst our existing clients is a bit of a, a bit of a rebalance. Some might say, OK, we will we'll slow down, we'll taper off, we'll we'll kind of jiggle our product portfolio a little bit. But we haven't seen the same reaction in terms of pulling files or really kind of moving away from that. A lot again, a lot of manufacturers have actually stuck to their planned timescales. They recognise that that it's that it's beneficial for them and for the for the notified body to to stick to it. So I don't think the impact has been has been the same. Okay, so I can see then why you think the impact of the IVDR amending regulation is that much greater. But Andreas, you were on the fence, so I'd be very interested to hear your (laughs) response to this question. Uh, We observed um, with the publication or with the informations about the draft uh, regulation, we already observed a a slowdown. I do agree with with Graham that the situation of of IVD manufacturers and medical device manufacturers is, is of course, significantly different because uh, there we have a large uh, number of of companies who have not yet done anything uh, with notified bodies or third parties. What worries me is that we have now, for instance, this additional, I mean, confirmation letter, uh, which is in high demand even now and which on paper looks very simple and easy, but in in reality is a tremendous uh, work to uh, maintain, to issue. I mean, the issuing itself is not so difficult, but we need to maintain it basically as a certificate. We need to ensure the listing of products is correct. We will probably be asked to change or reissue them until 2028. And this is not adding actually any value in our view. Yeah. Would you like and, to just explain what that confirmation letter is? Yeah, so this confirmation letter basically uh, confirms that uh, a legacy device uh, which was certified under MDD is under application or is, uh, let's say, supposed to be MDR certified until uh, end of 27 or end of 28. And with that, um, even though the MDD certificate is already expired, the manufacturer may still place it on the market in Europe. And so that's, of course, extremely handy. And it uh, this confirmation letter has then uh, attached a list of all the devices which are covered. And this list needs to be double-checked, of course. We need to see whether these devices are actually covered by a MDD certificate or not. We expect that while it is even already in Europe difficult to understand how this legally is working because we have an expired certificate, but still you can place it on the market. There will be lots of demands from other legislations, other countries who do like to accept CE mark devices for their markets, and they need to have these letters and they need to have the explanations. Why is this letter now showing that the device can still be placed on the market in Europe? So, uh, and that is where we then have to support our clients and we of course see a big a big workload we need to prepare our databases for that we need to have established processes for that and that is not helping to bring devices from mdd to mdr yeah it is yeah. rather in our view maybe delaying it because it gives more breathing room 
which is needed, yeah. But uh, the flip side of the coin is that things get procrastinated and postponed, and then uh, we will again run into a bottleneck situation uh, at the end of these years. And that is what worries me. Yeah, thank you for that nice explanation. And uh, Het, do, do you feel your clients are having to spend more time in trying to get their heads around what's happening? And are you finding that when they contact notified bodies, that it's taking them longer to get their products seen because of these issues? Well, well, certainly we do see a lot of uh, confusion in the uh, in the marketplace with with our clients, but it it, it depends a little bit on their situation. And so I, I would agree with Graham that the, the, the step change for IVDR uh, for companies new to notify bodies is big, but that might also be a motivator to get it right. And so you can see that there's a lot of interactions and a lot of clarity in that sense on what to do. And, and that, that clarity is not always there with uh, the medical devices where we talk much more about getting legacy products uh, into the MDR. And you can see that there's then different groups. Um, there's still some manufacturers waiting for their notify body to be designated. They're now starting to panic like, OK, well, last uh, last two weeks, we've seen a few uh, designations, but still quite a few in the pipeline. And the question now is, well, if there's only that limited amount of, well, say, as, as, as Graham said, end of the year, probably TV has a similar thing like end of the year. If you're not in with your application, we can't help you in time. So they need to make up their mind now to wait for their existing notified body or to shift to someone mm -hmm. else. And that's that's a conflict of long-term relations sometimes and, and, and brings in a lot of uh, scares in that sense. Heath, I was just going to ask, what proportion of your clients are finding themselves in that situation? It's a small proportion, but it's not mentioned enough that these are manufacturers that really feel like, well, I need to shift and I don't want to shift because... I've been working with that notified body for a long time and and and, and it's been good, but uh, they now have to make that move and they, they are afraid that they will be the last clients into one of the existing designated MDR notified bodies and therefore will be put on the back burner, right? And so waiting for their notified body to be designated, they will be priority clients. And and so that's a difficult difficult decision. But it's for, for us, it's a small portion of our customers um, but it's more in general that we we do hear also people calling, uh, maybe not customers, but in webinars and so on, that, that this is an issue for a number of manufacturers. For a lot of our customers, what happens is that they work on the legacy products. They start also working on some uh, new products that move new into the MDR, which is a separate path, of course. But for the legacy products, you see that they are preparing for the application and that that leads to a very difficult situation that they see that they have to make changes to the claim sometimes to the production process and so on and you start seeing that very urgent change notifications basically need to be done at this stage to get that change going because that change is needed also on their application for the mdr and so rather than fixing all the mdr stuff that that change notification is kind of taking priority and 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 some are managing well with their notified body to to kind of repurpose the time that the notified body has allocated to look at these change notifications prior to the MDR applications. But that's not always an easy thing to do, and sometimes it's also difficult to get through 
because basically in the legacy system, well, we can't make too many changes and so on. But, but the fact that this is needed to also get into the MDR, that is kind of the scare you have with the extended timelines that we now have, because, well, it, it, these changes are needed now or next week or next month or next year, but before we finally get the MDR certificates in place in a couple of years time. Right. So effectively, there are so many layers of complexity which result now from the amending regulation that make it life more difficult for notified bodies and for manufacturers alike. So moving on, the deadline for high risk medical devices, a class three implantable devices, is the first deadline approaching our, on the 26th of May 2026. How many applications do you have and how many were you expecting by this point for these products and how long will it take to process those applications? Also, what would your message be to your clients who manufacture these devices and others that involve more complicated levels of control? Are all the structures in place that are needed now for such devices? Graham, would you like to kick off? Yeah. Happy to go, and uh, I'll take a pass on trying to answer your question on numbers. It's it's really really hard to to answer that. I I tried in different ways. Um, the commission are producing their dashboard, and that's going to be published. And I'm not sure when, but that will start coming through, and that will start to give a give a bit more flavour in terms of how how things are progressing. It that might break it down by annex run yeah. risk class, but it's 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 a it's a it's a devil to count, Amanda. Um, I think from our perspective, so BSI at the end of June, we issued our thousandth MDR certificate across across all you know all products, which is quite a milestone. We were quite pleased to get there. So it shows that we are we are making progress. Manufacturers are making progress. Things things are getting through. We had you know in dialogue with with manufacturers again plotting you know their products and how they want to put them through. We typically prioritise the high risk products for obvious reasons because the reviews are taking longer and so on so i think for most for most manufacturers the the extension has given them a bit of breathing room uh, the challenge for us now is is as much being able to expand and take on more clients and, and kind of open our doors because previously we'd kind of said well you know the looking at the lead time to start a review then the length of time a review is taking it was going beyond may 2024 which was very very you know it wasn't it wasn't useful for most manufacturers to go beyond that they were just left in 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 kind of um in a situation where they 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 weren't comfortable doing that we're now able to say okay we can plot out a bit more into that longer deadline and we can take on people even it says well we'll start the review in six months and those kind of reviews are taking 12 to 18 months maybe some we're doing quicker um but you know that's still a deadline in which people are quite comfortable doing so um i think uh i've kind of danced around your question really but i think Again, it's a bit, it's a bit similar to the message we spoke about last time. It is absolutely the time to have a dialogue with a notified body. Different notified bodies will be in different positions, but most will be able to set out that situation whereby, okay, here's the lead times, here's typical review times, and here, here's where we're going to get to, assuming that a manufacturer is doing all the right things in terms of getting their technical doc- documentation into a good place and doing all the preparatory work that's going to make that conform testament journey as smooth as possible. Okay, would you agree with that, Andreas? Yeah, basically yes. I think we we also see uh, with these uh, with these transition times shifted backwards that we have uh, more sufficient uh, breathing space um, that we have yeah the ability uh, to work through um, these uh, projects. Um, we will have I mean that 
depends uh, a little bit on on the technologies. I mean, we have uh, not the same, uh, let's say, breadth or, or, or the same uh, depth of uh, or number of experts uh, in in all technologies. There may be some shortages in, in some areas. So that is, I think, uh, will always be the case. But other than that, uh, I mean, we are trying to address this uh, with building up resources in these areas. That is also changing now the situation a little bit. And so, yeah, I mean, provided we receive sufficient influx of uh, projects, we believe that we should be okay. Yeah, we, I, I, I think we are also getting uh, more familiar uh, with the processes uh, that our our cogwheels are turning a bit smoother. Definitely our manufacturers tell us, well, we see improvements and I mean, we, we measure improvements also. Of course, I mean, uh, we are a big organization. We are not perfect. We have also uh, different assessors. So, but overall, we are, uh, I think we uh, bring down the assessment times. Uh, I think this is also for other notified bodies and uh, uh, not yet to that degree we wish. But we will get there. I mean, that is. I mean, we are still in a transition, and I think we we really need to understand some issues are coming from a transition from one regime to another regime, and some issues are coming just from the complexity and the level of requirements which is just changed. And we need to distinguish between those. Yeah. Would Would you agree, Het, with that last statement that Andreas made? about some issues coming from the complexity and the level of the requirements? Yeah, I, I do think I, I agree also with the sentiment that uh, Andreas says that uh, the, the wheels are in motion and the training speed is speeding up, but also the familiarity with the processes, the, the um, interaction with manufacturers is, is starting to loosen up a little bit more clear communication, more clear expectations. And, and that's in line with the vast majority of our customers saying, well, this process is getting traction. It's in, in place where we will have uh, ample time to uh, file the applications. Um, so so vast majority is, is on track or has already done all the applications. Um, having said that, we also see that as kind of a, a, another rethink of which products will go into that application or will some uh, of the products be kind of vamped out and replaced in time with a new version of that product because again the timelines are shifting and shifting and so we also have uh, the, the life cycle of some of the products reaching well getting closer and closer to the end and so you have that rebalance i'm not sure if the gentlemen uh, see that as well that that slowly we get to 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 have more uh, new applications rather than legacy application so so that's a change i would say is happening but definitely communication is improving Timelines are speeding up for the applications and the interactions. That sounds very optimistic. We seem to have come a long way from even six months ago. Do you agree? Definitely. And also in terms of, um, I'm not sure if that's the structured dialogue or if something else is kicking in, but the fact that we have started to have some kind of leverage from the commission, from member states that notify bodies are able to speak with manufacturers that has provided more clarity over the last few months. Uh, and not that they go into much detail, but the fear of talking to notified bodies has uh, redu has been reduced significantly. 
And I think that's that's also helping us all to get through this uh, this difficult phase into operations, basically, because that's what's needed. Review and conformity assessment, audits, and just get it done. Right. And going back to the topic of recruitment and retention that Andreas brought up, when we were talking in the context of the IVD regulation, it was mentioned that actually a lot of jobs are being cut in this area at the moment, particularly because of the amending regulation. And that was in the IVDR space. Is this happening as well in the MDR space? Hertz, would you like to comment on that? Some some companies are are, are cutting down their departments um, to do with uh, probably not the regulation being being slowing down or more time in the transition. Maybe that helps in the decision making. I guess the 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 occasions that we have uh, learned were more related to a corporate restructuring because of the whole financial situation. And I think that has a bigger impact than a delay of the MDR on these these corporate decisions. Uh, but it will impact the uh, readiness for, uh, for for the MDR uh, transition of uh, of some of these companies. Um, but luckily, there are on occasion there, it's it's not massive in the sense that every company is doing the same thing as far as we can see at this moment. Okay, right. We spoke about the scale of advice needed for IVD manufacturers when we had our previous discussion. But with the IVD manufacturers, the majority are not familiar with notified body practices. In reverse, the majority of MDR manufacturers are already familiar with notified bodies. So how much support do you think is needed generally by medtech manufacturers when it comes to these structured dialogues, for example? Andreas, would you like to begin here? Yeah, I, I, these these dialogues uh, are definitely uh, helpful, but uh, still we see, I mean, uh, uh, that uh, the 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 work for consultants has has increased significantly, also with the MBR. And so uh, obviously uh, this shows there is a need to get support. Uh, I mean, on on which specific topics? This is Gert uh, probably in better position to tell. But yeah, I mean, this bar is set very much higher now, especially with the clinical data. And uh, this is where I I suppose uh, manufacturers are are looking for uh, advice then uh, with companies like QSERF or others. And do you agree, Graham? Yeah, as ever, you've got a a huge variety of of manufacturers out there from startups bringing a product to, 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 you know, the first time they've ever encountered a medical device and regulation through to you know big companies with with thousands of products and and, and everything in between <laughs> so i think um there is there is absolutely a need um and ev- everywhere you go i was at an event just last night where again this this same point came up it's it's the need to be able to have some early certainty about what you're going to need to do to be able to satisfy a notified body and it's not a kind of yes we can say tick at that stage it's a I need to understand that I need to gather this amount of evidence structure information this way to be able to get through. And so that is still missing across the board for everyone. I think it will disproportionately help the SMEs who have got much less experience in this area. But equally, there are, there are big companies innovating as well who are, who are facing the same problems. And, you know, when you're talking okay. clinical trials costing several million pounds, euros, dollars, whatever, it's, it's a big decision. And, and we, we, we need to fill that gap. So structured dialogue is, is a nice first start. It's good to see that Hertz said it's starting to feel like we're getting there. I think that's probably an improved confidence in dialogue 
between manufacturers and those bad bodies. There's there's still this, can we fill some of the pre-market space where we can help innovators and really help frame what it is they need to do, again, in a way that stays very, very clear from the, any notion that we would be consulting or, you know, marking our own homework or anything. Right. And we spoke about guidance last time in the context of the IVDR around this. So presumably you're looking forward to some form of guidance around this. <laughs> Absolutely looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll be a really good start. Yeah. So finally, what would your recommendations be in terms of any improvements that could be made now following the amending regulation and the layers of complexity that it's introduced, what could be done to make things a little smoother for notified bodies and for manufacturers in the context of the MDR? Hertz, would you like to start? Yeah, sure. And also to follow up on what Andreas and uh, and Graham were, were talking about, what are the key sure. issues that we, we need to advise on? And these are typically also the key issues where then logically some some general guidance uh, or to a next level guidance would help. And and, and so in that sense, uh, following up on what uh, Andreas and Graham were saying, the, the content of of where we have to advise most is on on on, uh, on clinical on biocompatibility on toxicities and th- these are the elements where uh, basically the first bullet point of the objectives of the whole MDR from the European Commission's uh, uh, papers says to to protect the healthcare of European citizens these are the key topics uh, but we have vague guidance sufficient data and so on and um, so what would help in this revision of the uh, metf 271 is to have more detail on well what is sufficient clinical data and for biocompatibility and toxicity uh, m- most of the deficiencies we see is that the data are not from last year or the year before but maybe for all the products they are 10 years old um, are these acceptable or not um, and what is too old for um, for for being allowed into the conformity assessments simple questions perhaps but that leads to a lot of debates uh, and a lot of uh, anger uh, inside companies if they have to redo testing that will result in well give basically the same results and so clarity on these two fronts is is most helpful yeah very expensive and time consuming i imagine yeah i think when we when we think about the uh, potential revision of the of the mdr what would be really helpful is um, to consolidate all these uh, 80 mdcg guidance documents uh, extract the the really regulatory requirements and put them uh, well defined in the in the in the regulation and then also separate some technical requirements out into maybe uh, guidance documents uh, or reference documents which then can be easily changed yeah I, uh, the regulation uh, change is very very complicated and uh, cumbersome but of course guidance documents uh, can be quicker updated so that would be uh, one thing we think would make uh, the whole uh, complexity of these uh, numerous documents, uh, I mean, would reduce it, yeah. Right, that's going to be a huge job for someone at the Commission. (laughs) (laughs) Would you agree with that, Graham? And what would your proposals be? So I, I, oh, the the, the thought of revising the MDR sends a a shiver down my spine, so I'm not going to go there because I haven't had enough coffee to uh, to really think about that just yet. Um, So in terms of the, the immediate kind of challenges that we're facing, I would say, you know, the message is, again, uh, similar to the conversation we had on the IVDR, is for manufacturers to engage with notified bodies now. Um, you know, 
that May 2024 is, is the immediate deadline whereby in order to benefit from the extension, you need to have had an application in. So you can't, you know, that needs to be, conversation needs to be happening this year. That, that's that's an obvious one. And I'm sure most of our bodies will start to be putting message out there saying, guys, come on, you know, you need, need to come talk to us. So that, that's one. I think there is there is now an increasing amount of useful guidance out there about how to structure technical documentation and it's getting there. So that that's one to really manufacturers to follow because that will make life easier when it comes through that process. I think from a from the kind of the, the the thing that's really worrying me is related to what Andreas was talking about earlier around where we've got an extended period whereby we're continuing to manage MDD certificates. We're doing surveillance on MDR. We're doing recertifications are starting to happen because of the timelines. And so we've got all of this enormous amount of kind of surveillance post-market ongoing uh, oversight of certificates activity. And if we're not careful, that is going to swamp, swamp notified bodies in all over again, if you like. And so we'll kind of we'll just be saying, well, actually, we're so busy doing all, all the all the recertification and surveillance work. We haven't got time to do anything else. So a very, very pragmatic approach to how we can conduct surveillance in a way that consolidates down, that avoids as, as much duplication as possible mm. and is very sensible in terms of how we can how we can do that. And particularly uh, applying very um, thoughtful and I'll use the word pragmatic and pragmatic approaches to what recertification looks like, because I know manufacturers are really worried about it. The idea that they will have to go through the same process again is is filling, I think, everyone with horror. So we need to be really thoughtful about how we do that. And I think there's there's some dialogue starting and I'm very keen to move those forward as quickly as possible because that's the next kind of challenge that's coming down the road for me. That sounds massive. And when you think that each notified body is going to have to do that process and you think about the relative sizes of notified bodies and, uh, you know, the size of management and how they're going to cope with that, it's going to be very tricky, particularly in terms of um, recruitment and retention, I guess. Yeah, indeed. And look, we, we've spoken, you know, but both both uh, Tubson and BSI in particular, but all most of our bodies will have been investing in resources. I, I've said before that there's there's a certain extent to which, you, you know, the, throwing more people at the problem d- doesn't solve it. And I, I think, you know, once, once organisations start to get too big, you lose too much in terms of consistency of approach, in terms of systems and processes that can cope with that kind of size. So from BSI's perspective, we are continuing to target recruitment, but, you know, we're not seeing the exponential growth that we had, say, five, six years ago, where we really accelerated quickly. I think it's more, much more targeted and thoughtful in terms of how we're, how we're resourcing and looking ahead in terms of the future needs of the system. Interesting. Right. Well, thank you all for your fascinating contributions today. I'm sure they're going to provide our readers with key pointers as to how they should be considering moving forward. And it's been fantastic to have this dialogue between us about the IVDR amending regulation and now the medical device regulation, which gives a a real picture of the complexities that the medtech industry is facing as a whole. So thank you all.